Hi, you're listening to the Abundant Encounters podcast, and this is Mary Marsingill. We're so honored to have you. And just quickly, before we get started, I wanted to remind you to rate this podcast and give positive reviews anywhere you're listening, Apple, Google, and others. Just talk about what you're experiencing, or especially any encounters that you felt like you had during an episode. Also, we'd really appreciate it if you could take five seconds right now to pray for our podcast and ministry to succeed. Five seconds might not sound like much, but we believe that our collective prayers will make a massive difference and protect and prosper these ministries' efforts to glorify and exalt Jesus. Our hope is simple, that people have real encounters with Jesus, God, and the Holy Spirit. Please join us now for just five seconds to pray. Thank you so much. Here's Josh. Hi, and welcome to the Abundant Encounters podcast. My name is Joshua Marsingale, and we're just so blessed to have you. The Abundant Encounters podcast is here to help assist a lifestyle of following after the Father. You know, when it comes to our identity, someone reminded me recently that it's not a title or something like that, of course, but it's so much more than that. We are sons and daughters, so our identity is wrapped within our connection and position to the Father. So we're inside him, we're beside him, we're around him, we're, we're there with him. He's partnered so deeply, so closely with who we are that we can't separate the two things. We're not God, of course. We are God's sons and daughters. So let's draw near. Let's, uh, even though he's here, you know, let's let's position ourselves within him. Uh, pray, and we'll get started with today. Lord, thank you for your presence. Thank you, Father, for what you've done to reach across eternity, across everything, across through our our muddied idea of what this world was, and right into our hearts and set us free we are yours Lord and I uh, take the authority that Jesus so preciously paid for I take it right now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ I bind up anything that would hinder this time that we're offering to you Father we know you have something for us but we want to offer our time to you and uh, yeah anyway I bind up anything that would try to distract or put any kind of difficulty on anything that you want us to have right here, right now. Bind that up right now in Jesus' name. And thank you, Lord, for releasing heaven all around us, all over us. More, Lord. More. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Just thank him right now. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Thank you, Lord. 
Thank you, Lord. Thank you. 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 Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Amen. Today we we're going to be reading in Romans 6. It's a beautiful chapter from Paul, and I uh, decided to share it with you from the Mirror Bible. The Mirror Bible is a, a great addition to your biblical library in whichever way you want to put that. Um, it is a fantastic, um, just read, you're, you're going to learn so much about the Greek, um, maybe even the Aramaic and places and stuff, and uh, and it's just really powerful, passionate insights into um, into what is possible here, and uh, it will it will if nothing else, it will sharpen some iron in your heart. And so, without further ado, let's get started. It is not possible to interpret grace as a cheap excuse to continue in sin. It sounds to some that we are saying, let's carry on sinning, then so that grace may abound. How ridiculous is that? How can we be dead and alive to sin at the same time? What are we saying then in baptism if we are not declaring that we understand our union with Christ in his death. Baptism pictures how we were co-buried together with Christ in his death. Then it powerfully illustrates how in God's mind we were co-raised with Christ into a new lifestyle. We were like seeds planted together in the same soil to be co-quickened to life. If we were included in his death, we are equally included in his resurrection. We perceive that our old lifestyle was co-crucified together with him. This concludes that the vehicle that accommodated sin in us was scrapped and rendered entirely useless. Our slavery to sin has come to an end. If nothing else stops you from doing something wrong, death certainly does. Faith sees us joined in his death and alive with him in his resurrection. It is plain for all to see that death lost its dominion over Christ in his resurrection. He need not ever die again to prove a further point. His appointment with death was once off. As far as sin is concerned, he is dead. The reason for his death was to take away the sin of the world. His life now exhibits our union with the life of God. This reasoning is equally relevant to you. Calculate the cross. There can only be one logical conclusion. He died your death 
That means you died to sin and are now alive to God. Sin consciousness can never again feature in your future. You are in Christ Jesus. His Lordship is the authority of this union. You are under no obligation to sin that has no further right to dominate your dead declared body. Therefore, let it not entice you to obey its lust. Do not let the members of your body lie around loose and unguarded in the vicinity of unrighteousness, where sin can seize it and use it as a destructive weapon against you. Rather, place yourself in readiness to God, like someone resurrected from the dead, and present your whole person as a weapon of righteousness. Sin was your master while the law was your measure, now grace rules. Being under grace and not under the law most certainly does not mean that you now have a license to sin. As much as you once gave permission to sin to trap you in its spiral of spiritual death and enslave you to its dictates, the obedience that faith ignites now introduces a new rule, righteousness with God. To this we willingly yield ourselves. The content of teaching that your heart embraced has set a new standard to become the pattern of your life. The grace of God ended sin's dominance. Sin once called the shots, now righteousness rules. I want to say it as plainly as possible. You willingly offered your faculties to obey sin. You stained your body with unclean acts and allowed lawlessness to gain supremacy in all your conduct. In exactly the same way, I now encourage you to present your faculties and person to the supremacy of righteousness to find unrestricted expression in your lifestyle. You were sin's slaves without any obligation to righteousness. I know you are embarrassed now about the things you used to do with your body. I mean, was it worth it? What reward or return did you get but spiritual death? Sin is a cul-de-sac. Consider your life now. There are no outstanding debts. You owe sin nothing. A life bonded to God yields the sacred expression of his character and completes in your experience what life was always meant to be. The reward of the law is death. The gift of grace is life. The bottom line is this. Sin employs you like a soldier for its cause and rewards you with death. God gives you with the highest quality of life all wrapped up in Christ Jesus our leader.
He's done it. He's set us free. It's truly done. That was definitely the hard part. The part we could not possibly do. Defeat death. Take away its sting. Jesus said, I got this. And sin, you know, it had this hold on us to conform us into this wretched identity. Sin entered the world through this situation with the devil. And he was excluded. He had no future. His anxiety and depression and his just ugliness is what marked sin. For those wrapped in sin, where sin is their identity, he is their father. And they become like him. I've personally experienced some depths and depression that I wouldn't wish on anyone. A darkness that would overwhelm me again and again, relentlessly. It had no heart for me and didn't care how much pain I'd already experienced. And then it invited a, a second cousin, which was suicidal ideations. I thought they were the same, but eventually I learned they were just brothers or cousins or family members. They just, they did this, the same things together. And while one kicked me on one side, another kicked me on the other. And it was so many years that I spent, 19 in fact, that I spent believing that those ideations were coming from me. And it was just this weird, awful, tragic family of Satan and his minions. And uh, they would have done anything to kill, steal, and destroy from me. Lie, cheat, and steal from me. Their corruption knew no end. But in this um, in this chapter, we're we're getting this opportunity to trade that reality in completely. So maybe you're saved. Maybe you've lived a long time. But often in the church, we hear so much about sin that we believe that we are still fighting this battle that Jesus completely accomplished. Either he paid the full price to set us free, or he needs to get it back up there and do it again. And I know we are not sending him back there. 
So the difficult thing that Paul recognizes for us to do at this point is to accept the reality that even in this fallen world that we're in, we are no longer children of sin. We're trading one thing entirely for a new one. Now we can pretend, and many have and will, that nothing has really changed within them. And we're very good at this. We've, we've learned pretending from the master of lies and deception. And um, But we're, as Graham Cook, one of my favorite teachers, says, you know, we're, I mean, it's gross, but he says, it's like putting lipstick on a corpse. You know, we're just kind of dressing it up and kind of going out. It's dead. You're dead. You're dead. It's dead. It's dead. It's dead. It's not going to live again. There's no reason to parade it around your friends and family and acquaintances and others. Be made new. Be inspired from the inside out to live your life in the newness and in the righteousness of Christ. Where John the Baptist was the conviction of sin, Jesus was the conviction of Jesus, and Paul is the conviction of righteousness. Righteousness is something that we are being invited into to explore. This is how we are, we are to live at this point. And that turns everything around. And it's not easy, you know. It's like um, one way that I uh, understand it is that death is swallowed up in victory. When I focus on what God has done, The depression and those kind of things lose their grip and they have I've overcome so many awful things I have been fathered by this awful orphan the devil for so long that for 27 years and I thought man uh, I can't get out of this there's these things will just be a part of me. I, I can't even remember who that old man was at this point. Sometimes I'll rehearse things in the past and rather than shame, it'll be it'll bring confusion. Like, how did I think that way? Not, why did I do that or, oh. That was so awful. How could I have been that way? I'm not proud of the things I did. I did some really harmful, awful things to people and to myself and to God. But um, on this side of the cross, what Jesus has done through his resurrection is he's handed me over something. So he completely died on the cross as me. He rose completely as me. 
and this new life is something that I'm learning, I'm grasping a hold of. So I'm about 15 years old in the Lord at 42. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm in those teenage years <laughs> making some, you know, some mistakes with, with uh, you know, confidence here and there. I wouldn't call it pride on purpose because it's different. It's different than that old pride monster. I I know I can slip into those things. I can, I can do that, you know, I can pretend. But it's not alive. So for this podcast, what I really wanted to do was just continue this look on righteousness on the inside of you as Paul is explaining. You can't look on something that's gone and dead. So as we look in now, uh, I'll pray that a false humility and pride will be removed and you'll begin to see the true identity of who you are. And then we'll begin to ask Jesus some questions and he'll take us through some of this. Because Jesus loves questions. He asks questions sometimes in his responses, but that's just the way he loves to do things. He likes to get you thinking. If he's asking you a question, he's usually pointing something out to us, revealing something. You know, it's never about condemnation. It's always about conviction, even if it feels harsh. Um, if there's no conviction, if there's no options to change, not Jesus. He's never going to use that language of condemnation to correct you. He's not in a hurry. He's not worried about you. He just loves you. He wants you to have everything that he paid for. So let's get started. Take a moment now and connect with Jesus. Use your imagination, you can feel him, your holy imagination. Honor him, say, Jesus, can I feel you? Can I see you? Can I smell you? Can I experience you? You know, people give Thomas a hard time, I say this all the time, but after he put his hand in the side of Jesus Christ, he never doubted again. And Jesus didn't condemn that. In fact, he shared it with the other disciples. And they all participated. And they shared Thomas's conviction. My Lord, my God. That was his response. So yeah, boldly request, Lord, can I experience you? And I want you to try to visualize Jesus. And if you've got your eyes closed, that's awesome. You can do that. Some of us can do that with our eyes open. But begin to visualize him. And it can be traditional Jesus, you know, long hair, 
you know, I'm not worried about eye color or anything. You do what you do. However Jesus looks to you is awesome. So there he is. Jesus. Say his name out loud. Jesus. Jesus. And I want you to begin to walk closer or you can ask Jesus, Jesus, can I come near to you closer? Keep going closer. And we've done this exercise in the past, but it's helpful um, to help us engage with righteousness, and that's the point. It's a tool you can use anytime you want in worship. I highly recommend it at your church or just with some YouTube videos or something. We begin to walk towards them, get closer and closer. And ask him, say, Jesus, can I receive this righteousness? I want to want to experience it. I want to experience the perfection that you provided for me. And I had this encounter one time where I was in worship and I looked up and I saw Jesus' face and I want you to just kind of follow along with me and I saw Jesus' face and he just didn't stop. He kept coming so close, and um, and pretty soon I, I realized, and I wondered if Jesus was would stop. And he kept coming closer, and uh, and I was like, my face is gonna hit Jesus's face. And um, he got so close that his nose was on my nose, and very slowly, in this like timeless moment. I lost track of where I was as Jesus' nose just kept going into my face like he was almost like a pool of water and I was my face was just going into this water but it was his face and I, I could and as his nose went my nose went into his nose and his nose became my nose and then my the my eyebrows and forehead and uh, cheekbones and everything just began to enter his face and as my eyes were engulfed in his eyes I was looking through his eyes and my cheeks and mouth and my throat and everything became Jesus and before I knew it I had gone through Jesus and and he had and he wasn't passing me by he had he had just completely wrapped through me and everything that was me every cell every part of me and here I was looking through Jesus's eyes smelling with Jesus's nose tasting with Jesus's mouth hearing with Jesus's ears breathing with Jesus's lungs 
And the Bible says that Jesus is seated in heavenly places. As you breathe, there is a purity in that heavenly oxygen. As you hear, there is a cleansing, there is a pureness, there's a, there's a trueness. Jesus' ears don't hear hopelessness, or they hear hope. They hear faith, they hear love. They, are, it's, they hear excitement. Your eyes see everything differently. There is nothing but hope in store for these eyes. Marrying a bride that he loves the Father is, has all provision. Everything's in Jesus' possession. And this began to be this metaphor for me. This encounter became an understanding of what it was like to receive the righteousness that he had so generously provided. And maybe it doesn't connect exactly right this minute, but as you begin to live from this place of, of connection, allow it to change your eyes. You know, we aren't God. That's, that's not even close to what's happening here but we do belong to God. We're precious to Him. Sometimes it's hard to make those confessions, to say, I am precious to the Father. And if, if any part of righteousness is hard for us, receiving it, living from it, beginning to feast on it, you know, Jesus put his body and blood out there on the table and said, eat up. You're not going to make it without this nourishment, without this food. You know, so it's asking. It's like, I need that purity, Jesus how do you see purity in me? How do you see what you provided in me? Show me. I want to taste it. I want to consume what you provided. I don't want to eat from the table of 
death and destruction. I want to eat from your table of life and hope and truth. And maybe there's something, I get the feeling that I'm t speaking to someone prophetically, but maybe there's something that feels weighty and you are wondering if, the, if you could see it through the eyes of righteousness. That's an asking situation again, it's ask. Jesus, can you show me what I'm looking at with your eyes. This is the way I'm tempted to see it, but I gotta know how you see this. Is there a phrase or an image or anything that he's bringing to mind? How does it feel? it feel strange or, or just feel scary or something like that, then you ask questions. You say, okay, I see what you're saying, but I don't feel good about it. Help me understand why I'm feeling that way. You know, Christianity isn't about right and wrong. It's about this tree of life. It's not a debate. It's a gift. Receiving the word, that's how you answer all of life's questions. That's how you connect. These are the eternal things. This is the economy of heaven. So take some time and engage with your righteousness and ask Jesus to show you with his eyes what it looks like within you. And be real. Be practical. Don't get too spiritual so that you can't even understand what you're you're actually talking about boil it down determine specifics if you really like to kind of organize your thoughts and things like that make sure you journal journal this out as you ask questions just write and see what comes out Sometimes uh, the Lord will speak as you just write. Describe what you're seeing. Start anywhere you can. And sometimes it's really important to ask this traditional question, which I'll leave you with. Jesus, what do you think about me? 
today might be a big new day, especially if it is the first time you used a prophetic act like this and got pulled into a real encounter with the living God in his heaven on earth. This determination may reveal how the same God has been encountering you for many years and will eventually reveal how God is really everywhere and in everything. The good news, he is for you and not against you. He's hidden there for you and not from you. Seek him and find him. Seek like a king before you share as his priest. What you begin to find and uncover will cross the boundary of word only and enter into your own truth. You'll begin to live there. We pray blessing on you. May you be prosperous today from the inside of your spirit, through your soul, and then out into every circumstance of your day. May joy, hope, and peace overflow from within you abundantly. God is not short on encounters, my friend. I pray that the supply of heaven fill your life with infinite wealth that overwhelms and overcomes every deficit of this world around you and others here in this world. In Jesus' name. Come and visit us online at AbundantEncounters.com where you can find out more about our cause. We want everyone to have an encounter with God today. And on that website, you can find out ways to help yourself, help your friends. There's counseling, coaching, and articles available that will help you to embrace the lifestyle of encountering God. AbundantEncounters.com The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace.